grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Oftentimes, the middle is the muddle. The middle is the muddle. It's that place of confusion and frustration and consternation, whether you're talking about midlife, kind of the dog days of existence, when you're in December and it's cold enough to snow, but there isn't any snow yet stuck in the middle, when you're on a journey and you're making your way, you're on a road trip, and the kids in the back are asking, are we there yet? The last thing they want to hear is, oh, we're halfway there. We're in the middle. No, the middle oftentimes is the muddle, that place of confusion, frustration, and consternation. But it also occurs to me that many times we don't really know where the middle is except in hindsight, in retrospect, right? We think we know where the middle is, but maybe the middle was actually just the beginning. Or conversely, maybe what we thought was the middle as we were slogging through, we were actually almost at the end of the tunnel. The middle is the muddle, but sometimes it's also the mystery, and we don't really know where it is or when we're in it. But St. Mark, he also knows something about the middle. Maybe you notice this. He starts his gospel in the middle. St. John, he starts his gospel all the way in the beginning of time. Matthew, Luke, they start their gospel with the beginning of Jesus' life, with the birth of the Savior. Mark throws out the baby and the bathwater, so to speak, and starts his gospel, his account, in the middle of Jesus' life. That's where he wants to begin. And I think there's a reason for this, see. I think there's a reason that as we meet God in the middle, as Mark starts his story in the middle, and we see the Lord present there for us, it's a transformative experience. See, when God meets us in the middle, nowhere suddenly becomes somewhere, and no story becomes his story. The middle is often the muddle. But God meets you and me in the middle. And that changes everything. So let's go to our text. And the thing that jumps out right away is where it happens. As Mark starts his story in the middle with John the Baptist. And where is he preaching? He's out in the wilderness. In the wilderness! I mean, if you wanted to launch a worldwide gospel ministry, that's where you would start, right? No, you're going to start in Chicago rather than in Copamish. All due respect to Copamish. If you want to, you're going to want to go to a place where it's more populated, where the people are there, we're there. That's going to be the great platform in order to get this kingdom movement started. That's what you would think. But there's John the Baptist with his interesting getup and his diet, which among all the diets that have been vogue in our time, still nobody has picked up the John the Baptist diet, waiting for that to happen. There's John the Baptist, eccentric guy that he is, in the wilderness. What's happening here? I think of this uh, Far Side cartoon. You remember the Far Side? By Gary Larson, a Lutheran, incidentally. But, uh, and in the cartoon, there's this couple. They're in their car, and through the windshield, you can see this sign, road sign, and it says, Welcome to the Middle. And then we look down, and the wife, she's riding shotgun, and she's got the map out in front of her, and it's got some squiggles on it and so forth. And, and at the top of the map, it says, Nowhere. <laughs> and then the caption reads, well, I guess this has just gone from bad to worse. <laughs> the middle of nowhere. This is where 
John is preaching in the wilderness. What is he doing there? Why have we been brought to that place? Well, of course, first of all, this is in keeping with Scripture, right? As we talked about last week, we see it again here. This is in fulfillment of the Old Testament Scripture, as we heard from Isaiah this morning. A voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Is the voice crying in the wilderness, or should we prepare the way in the wilderness? And the answer is, of course, yes. It's both of those things. As we see John in the wilderness and crying out, prepare the way of the Lord here in this place. But there's also more going on here, see. Old Testament, from an Old Testament perspective, and from ancient Jews, as they looked at that, the wilderness was not just the middle of nowhere. The wilderness was a very special place where God had met them, had encountered them. You remember how it happened at the Exodus, when God led his people, brought them out of slavery in Egypt. And then, if ever there was a bunch of people saying, are we there yet? Then it was the Israelites for 40 years wandering where? In the wilderness. But not for nothing, see. The wilderness was not nowhere. The wilderness was somewhere because it was the place where God was leading them to the promised land. In other words, the middle of nowhere, the wilderness, also became the staging point for what God had in store for his people. To be in the middle of nowhere is to be in the middle of somewhere because God is there with his people, leading them on the way to the better future that he has in store for them. And so as John is out there preaching in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, we ought to see that, read that, hear that, as God saying, here, I'm going to meet you in this wilderness place, meeting you in the middle, on the way toward the promised land that I have for you. What is yet to come, that you and I are a people on the way, whom he is still meeting in our own middles of nowhere, wherever we happen to be. And we see this again and again throughout the Bible, whether it be Jacob getting his vision of the Lord in a certain place, and, and then he wakes up and says, oh, the Lord was in this place and I did not know it. Sometimes we need to have those epiphanies, recognizing that here, God was in this place, in this time, in this moment, and I didn't realize it. It felt like it was a forsaken place, an abandoned place, but no, it was God's place. Or again, you think of our Lord Jesus, when he's raised and reared in the little village of Nazareth. And you remember the response that people have when they find out he's from Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's not where you would expect God to be. But this is how he operates. He turns every nowhere into a somewhere when he is there with his presence, with his blessing. That says in Psalm 139, where can I run from your presence? Where can I flee from your spirit? Of course, the answer is nowhere. Everywhere that we find ourselves, even if it seems like the middle of nowhere, it is the middle of somewhere because God is there for you and for me to meet us in the middle. And that changes everything. But there's still more to say. So not only do we see how God meets his people in the wilderness as this place of preparation, this staging point for the promised land, how he meets us on the way in that respect. But there's even more to it, that how he meets us in the middle, it changes no story into his story. Maybe some of you had to memorize that passage from Shakespeare's play Macbeth when you were in high school. Maybe you remember the one I'm talking about. 
<clears throat> goes like this. I'll put on my Shakespearean voice. <clears throat> tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time. And all of our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death. Out, out, brief candle. Life is but a walking shadow. A poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. It's uplifting. <laughs> Maybe some of you remember this passage, that life is but a tale told by an idiot, signifying nothing. It's a bleak perspective on existence. So life itself had no story. And I dare say that this is a, a perspective that has been picked up by our modern world. Henry Ford supposedly said that history is just one darn thing after another. This is the way many people view it, that life is just something happened and then something happened and then something happened. I put it up on my Instagram, another thing happened, I got some likes, life just keeps going, da-da, da-da, da-da. But there's no purpose to it. There's no meaning. There's no larger transcendent story of which it's a part. Fundamentally, maybe if you ever hear the $5 word nihilism, okay? Nihilism. This is fundamentally what nihilism is about. That at bottom, there is no story. There is no meaning. There's no there there. It's just one thing and then another thing, and it all adds up to zilch. Friends, this is not the way that things really are. God meets us in the middle and changes no story to his story. And we see this in the short passage from Mark in a particular way, right at the outset, how Mark starts his account. He says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's how Mark starts it out. And our English teacher who taught us Macbeth might also say, Mark, you're starting out with a sentence fragment. That's no way to start a story. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Yes, there's no verb there. What's going on, Mark? And some people have then inserted, no, you need, to, you need to add, this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But then as we've already shown and looked at, Mark doesn't start his story in the beginning. He doesn't start with Jesus' birth. Instead, he starts in the middle. This is not the beginning of Jesus' life. If that's what Mark wants to say, no, there is more going on here. See, Mark was immersed in that Old Testament ancient Jewish perspective. And going back to the first few books of the Bible, which you and I know as Genesis, and Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, those are the titles that we know those books by. But that's not the titles that Mark and his fellow Jews knew those books by. Instead, they knew the Hebrew titles, and the Hebrew titles were things like Bereshith, in the beginning, what we call Genesis, or Vayikra, and he called what we call Leviticus. In other words, in the Hebrew mindset, the books of the Old Testament took as their name the first phrase of the book. That was the title for the whole book. And so some scholars have suggested that Mark, when he starts out his gospel in this kind of abrupt way, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that he intends that to be the title of his whole book. 
Not only John's preaching, but Jesus' teaching and preaching. His life, his death, his resurrection, all of it. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, pastor, that's interesting, but what does that mean? Why does that matter? Think of it this way. Mark is showing us that everything that unfolds through the life and death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus, that all of this is only the beginning. That it is a story that is unfolding through time. And that it's a story that you and I have been made part of. As the Lord who said it is finished on the cross is now applying that finished work of salvation to all creation, redeeming and renewing all things until finally on that last day, as Peter said it in our epistle reading today, on that last day, we will see all things transformed and it will be a new, a renewed heavens and a renewed earth. That's what we are looking forward to. And that's the story that is playing out right now. It's not no story. It's his story and it's happening and you and I are part of it. It makes me think of maybe the second greatest story ever told, The Lord of the Rings. And there's this moment in the middle where Samwise Gamgee and, and Frodo are finding themselves in a very dark place. They're wandering through the wilderness and wondering where it all goes. What's going to happen? And there, as they are wandering and, and troubling themselves, Samwise remembers the story of the, the Silmaril, kind of the origin story of Middle-earth. And he goes on to say, but that's a long tale, of course, and it goes on past the happiness and into grief and beyond it. And the Silmaril went on and came to Arendelle. And why, sir, I never thought of that before. We've, you've got some of the light of it in that star glass that the lady gave you. Why, to think of it, we're in the same tale still. It's going on. Don't the great tales never end? Sam, in his characteristic way of speaking, don't the great tales never end? And the answer to his question is, no, the great tales don't never end. I think that's right. They keep on going. What he recognizes in that moment is, wait a second, we're not in the middle of nothing. We're not in the middle of nowhere. This is not a no story. Frodo, we are part of a much larger story. And of course, J.R.R. Tolkien, the, the author of The Lord of the Rings, was himself a Christian. And he recognized that his grand epic tale that he was telling in The Lord of the Rings, that it was but a symbol and a foretaste of that much greater tale. In fact, the greatest tale ever told. The story of the gospel. His story that is unfolding through time and eternity. The story of which you and I have been made a part. Don't the great tales never end? It is never going to end. But it will reach its culmination in the coming of our Lord Jesus. And for you and me, well, we find ourselves in those middle places, those places where we're just muddling through and wondering, Lord, what is the meaning of it all? It feels like it's just one day after another, and what is it all adding up to? Where is the meaning in this moment? Where is the purpose in all of these struggles that we're going through? We recognize that you and I, we're not in the middle of nothing. We're in the middle of something. The story told not by an idiot, but by the grand storyteller, our Heavenly Father who is tying together all things in his son, Jesus. You know, there's this expression, maybe you've heard it before, that everything feels like failure in the middle. Everything feels like failure in the middle. You think, what, what's happening here? Where are we going? It feels like everything is just going broke. 
But it's there in the middle where God meets you. It was there in the middle when things looked like the greatest failure of all time. When the Father raised the Son and made that middle into a glorious place. And so he meets you and me in whatever failures we find ourselves, whatever disappointments and discouragements we find ourselves in the middle. There God meets you and me and transforms it from nowhere into somewhere, from no story into his story. The middle oftentimes feels like the muddle, that place of frustration and consternation, that place of confusion. But now God has met you and me there and continues to meet us there as he met us there and in the manger, in the middle of nowhere, there God was coming for us. And he meets us here in our midst this very morning in with and under the bread and wine and transforms all of our existences to be part of his greater story that is still ongoing. Don't the great tales never end, friends? That's true for you and me in the gospel. The true story of the greatest tale ever told. The middle oftentimes feels like the place of muddle. But God meets you there and makes sure that the middle is also the place of miracle. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand to sing the offertory.